Why, hello there, nerds. I'm Ash. And I'm Nat. And you're listening to Crime Time Nerds, a sister podcast. It's that special day in the week known as crime time. Today, we're talking about a local Vermont case, which was the kidnapping and murder of Michelle Gardner Quinn, who was a student here in Vermont back in 2006. This case is one where many of us realize that even rural areas can have crimes that shake a community and that there are bad people in all locations. You know, it's funny. I remember this case when it happened. It's always stuck with me just the whole nature of it, of the case is one of those for any young woman, it affects them. It was just kind of that wake up call that I needed when I was that age, because this case uh, happened back in 2006, I believe. I actually was the same age as the victim in this case at that time and, and what she would be today. It was just, you know, it's a case that I think a lot of us women can relate to. It was a long time ago. But this one has always kind of sat with me probably for the last, you know, 15 years now since this happened. I think the victim in this, too, was just a girl that we could all kind of relate to. She's either someone we knew, someone like that, you know, a friend who had that kind of personality. Just kind of that, like, loved life to its fullest type of person. Definitely somebody we'd all want in our lives. For sure. We all want a friend like Michelle in our lives. And one thing I found is that it's been interesting to revisit and share some of these cases that affected us so much with our fellow nerdlings. We are doing one week local Vermont cases and one week a crime from out of state. So if any of our listeners have some lesser known true crime tales from their areas, please feel free to share those with us via our email at crimetimenerds at gmail.com. Just put in the subject line that this is a listener's sub- submission so we know to file accordingly. So that way it doesn't get lost because we do want to hear from you, you nerdlings. Absolutely. You guys are why we do this. So hit us up, friends. Researching these cases each week has definitely helped to give us a distraction just from all the crazy and insanity that's happening right now in 2020. And so we hope that we're able to also help you guys be distracted from it as well. Because right now, I think we all need a little bit of a, a break and a, I don't know, just kind of decompress. So th- Hopefully this helps you guys out with that. Speaking of quarantining, I have to mention that Ash is like the murder mystery true crime aficionado between the two of us. And when it comes to finding great books on cases or just, you know, some light murder mystery reading like one does, she's definitely become my go-to resource for pretty much the best true crime or murder mystery recommends uh, of late. She's It's been awesome. So... One of the things I I told her early on this week when we were talking about the podcast and what our episode was, is that I mentioned that because I found it so beneficial to to get her recommends that maybe you guys would too. So basically, I'm bullying Ash into uh, telling us all of the great recommends that she's got for this week for us. (laughs) So yeah, I have actually been reading a murder mystery book. It's not based on actual events, but sometimes I just just need some candy, as I like to call it. And what I mean by that is a book that's pretty light and intriguing. I've been reading The Guest List by Lucy Foley. It's so good. And it actually takes place in Ireland, which is super fun. As many of you may not know, my mom is actually from Ireland. So it's near and dear to my heart. I have been to Ireland a few times and it's so nice to read a book that I can actually envision. 
This book is so good, guys. Seriously, and without giving too much away, it's about a wedding on an Irish coast and one of the guests gets murdered. Basically, it's one of those dinner parties gone wrong type of tales. The author really leaves you thinking you know who it is, then she totally gives you a 180. And it's candy, but it's the perfect thing to read right now. Oh, man. Yeah, sometimes, I think right now especially, we just need something like kind of fun, short, sweet, light, you know, what have you. Like you said, candy. I personally, I'm actually a mystery fan and and more of a murder mystery fan than true crime nonfiction, which I know, Ash, you're more, you're actually more true crime nonfiction. Yeah. And it's kind of funny that I feel like we've, we've flipped recently. I love a good plot twist. I love a good silly little fluffy murder mystery, you know, on the coast kind of thing. I will definitely have to read this book after you're done. I'll just steal it from you. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, for me, actually, I've switched with you and I'm actually reading a book that you got me, which uh, I'm obsessed with right now, which is The Death of Innocence by Peter Mayer. It's a rough, rough read, folks, but it is a phenomenal, phenomenal true crime book. It deals with a case uh, that happened here in Vermont roughly about, oh God, it may have been almost, it was 30 plus years ago. So. I think it's closing in on the 40 mark year mark since this crime happened. But I don't want to go too far into detail because it's a case that Ash and I definitely are planning to do a feature episode on. Probably going to actually span a couple episodes. It's a pretty heavy case. But uh, so far, the book's been fantastic. So I definitely recommend it, especially for true crime fans. You're going to love it. Unfortunately, the downside is that this book is actually out of print right now. But Ash got me a copy online and it wasn't on Amazon, was it, Ash? It was on... No. Yeah, it's called Thrift Books. Thrift, I, that's what I thought it was, was Thrift Books. Yeah, so she was actually able to get me a copy of this book uh, via that. And just so you guys know, no, they're not a sponsor as much as we love them. Um, we just really like giving you guys affordable options for some books. So while they're not our sponsor, totally check them out. You can get it on Amazon, but it's a little pricier just because it's an out-of-print book. So uh, I don't know how much you paid for it, Ash, but... Yeah, so I actually checked Amazon first because I didn't think Thrift Books would have had it. And yeah. it was about probably $40 on Amazon. So Jeez. I went to my trusty Thrift Books. And it's great because, I mean, when you think about it, you buy a book and then you're done reading it. Unless you want to read it again, it's probably just going right. to sit on your shelf or you're going to give it to somebody. So why not just, I don't know, get it cheaper instead of spending however much money you are going to spend on Amazon. Or if you have a local bookstore, definitely do that. Yes. But yeah, so I got these books on Thrift Books. I was actually surprised I found two. And (laughs) (laughs) I got two. I already have the book, but I borrowed it from my dad. And since it's out of print, it's kind of like a special book and it happened to be in our hometown. And I actually lost the dust cover on the book (laughs) and I felt so bad. And I knew I had to buy another book to replace that dust cover. And (laughs) I mean, I don't want my dad not trusting me with this thing. So that's that's why I bought two copies. I bought one for Nat and one for myself. That way I can replace the dust cover. (laughs) So does he actually know about this or is this going to be the first time he learns that you replaced the the dust Uh, cover? This will be the first time he learns if he listens to this. I'll put a, we should mark this in the audio. So that way, you know, to fast forward through this part when you show it to him. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just be like, skip this part. You don't need to know. (laughs) I know. 
Oh, that's too funny. Somehow, these are frequent stories with you. (laughs) I know. Oh, my God. And this book, like Nat said, really stays with you for a long time. And to bring it back around circle to my dad, I remember seeing this book in my dad's office and asking about it because I've been a crime nerd forever. And he said he wouldn't let me read it until I turned 21. So being the angsty teenager I was, I checked out my local library and couldn't find it anywhere. So with that being said, I had to wait till after I was 21 to retrieve it from my dad. <laughs> um, so I'm really I don't blame him, though. Yeah, it's uh, disclaimer. Like it is. It's, it's gruesome. A rough read. And it's against minors. So that's another thing that's. Yeah, that's the one thing to warn you guys. This is this is a, a heavy case. So and we will when we do tackle it, we'll do our usual disclaimer like we usually do. Yeah, I could see why your dad would not want a young teenage girl to read this. This is definitely a book for a little bit older. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, as awful as this case is, I'm really looking forward into diving into it and making an episode on it. Um, I feel like not many of our listeners have heard of it. I don't, I would guess not. It's an older case for one. And, you know, it happened in rural Vermont. And while it's a pretty... You know, it's a, I, I think it was probably pretty publicized at the time. We're talking about an era that was before internet, before, you know, YouTube, things like that. So media, social media. So it, t- it took a lot longer for information kind of stayed contained into certain areas and locations. So I wouldn't be surprised that that maybe a lot of folks haven't heard of this case. Yeah, definitely. And, and we'll probably be doing a few episodes on this case because it's yeah. just so in-depth. Yeah, and we want to do it justice. We want to do it just, you know, for the victims, for their families. We don't want to just kind of throw in the, this is not a Cliff Notes kind of case. So it will be a deeper dive for us. Yeah, and you know, it's one of those things that over time, I definitely owe you just a huge thanks for recommending this book and all the other books that you recommend for me. And it just, you know, it's, it's really cool to just have a sister who totally gets it and is into my obsession with me. (laughs) (laughs) And this one specifically, I have been wanting to read this book for years, like years, guys. And, you know, it's been out of print forever. And I could never find a copy of it, even back when I worked at a bookstore. So for me, it was really exciting when Ash, like, gave me the copy of it. And so uh, it, it, it meant a lot. <laughs> and it's been getting me through quarantine. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I could do that for you. <laughs> Thanks, friend. As you can tell, Ash and I are big readers. And uh, we've been actually using the quarantine time just to read a lot and get even more obsessed with mysteries and crime stories. Just the stuff that we call candy (laughs) and maybe some of the lighter, fluffier stuff. Not so much the book I've been reading, but the one Ashes for sure. But, you know, we do have these recommendations for for those of you who maybe don't have as much time to sit and read a book. There are options. Don't think that we have forgotten you. One of the things that I would say is I am probably slightly addicted to YouTube. I'll own it. (laughs) Anyone who knows me knows about this little bit of an obsession. And one night I actually ended up going down the YouTube rabbit hole with Ash's brother. And we found this show called, it's called That Chapter. And the host is a gentleman named Mike O, who is also happens to be Irish. See guys, it comes back around. (laughs) And he instantly appealed to my husband. 
as again, Ash and his mom, she's from Ireland. And I made Ash and her boyfriend watch it with us one night uh, when they came over for dinner. And we, it was just, it's a show we really enjoyed. So we wanted to share it with them. And his cases are phenomenal. He just has this really good, quick 20 minute overview of crimes. And it's a great way to get your true crime fix without actually having to dive deep into a book. He does a great job covering the cases. You get a lot of the really important information and you're not getting bogged down in, in all of the literary components of it, which is really nice. And like I said, they're about 20 minutes. So if you don't have a lot of time, I know especially parents right now don't. This is just a show I totally recommend. He's got a ton of episodes and it helps out another, you know, local guy who's, uh, or he's not from Vermont, but another fellow, fellow uh, venture into the true crime world. So I just highly recommend this channel. Yeah, it was definitely a really good episode that we watched. And just watching one episode, I definitely recommend it as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so hopefully that'll be some cool stuff for our Crime Time nerds family to check out and see if they enjoy them as much as we do. Let us know if you guys would like to hear more recommendations because we are happy to give them. And with with that being said, (laughs) let's uh, buckle down and go into the dark trail we always head down. Oh, I hate when you say that, Ash. I always know it's going to go down into the dark, dark depths. I feel this moment of sadness when you always say it. I'm like, oh, no, we're leaving the light and uh, venturing into that darkness. All right, Ash, it's time to lead us down. All right, nerdlings. So today's case is about Michelle Gardner Quinn, who was an undergraduate at the University of Vermont or UVM for short. Michelle was born January 28th, 1985, and had just transferred to UVM for her senior year for the 2006 school year. Michelle was described as being bright and adventurous. She was just like a great light in this world. She traveled all over from Costa Rica, Brazil, South Africa, as she was studying environmental sciences and Latin American studies. So she kind of like meshed her two studies together. Isn't that great? Yeah, like this girl had her had her life together. She really knew she knew what she was passionate about and was going to make that her her goal in life to to devote her time to that. It's Definitely, cool. yeah. Her her passion was environmental ethics, as she was a lover of the natural world. She was described by many who knew her as fun loving, free spirited, and bubbly. One of the main reasons Michelle had gravitated towards Vermont for school was the fact that she was an avid snowboarder, and Vermont has a huge ski and snowboarding culture. Vermont is known for its mountains, and most of us grew up skiing and snowboarding here. It's a favorite pastime. And oh, for sure. the tourists love it, love it as well, all the tourists that yeah. come here. That's Vermont's main income. So it makes sense that someone like Michelle, who had a love of the sport, would find herself coming to a school in a place where she could really combine her passion and environmental science together and her love for winter sports. So not only was Michelle big into snowboarding and, and environmentalism, She also was a yoga enthusiast who loved to make her friends laugh. She loved eating healthy. She was known to dance to Shakira's music with abandon. You know, Michelle was just that girl that loved life. And we all like she thrived from everything and we all could have used her around us, you know? Absolutely. That's that girl that you when you're friends with, they just make you feel like a better person, if that makes sense. You know, there are people in this world that you meet that just make they just live everything about them is alive yeah and she just seemed like she was one of those girls she just flourishes yeah definitely yeah that's a great word for it flourishes so on the night of october 7th 2006 this bright light in the world was diminished as we've mentioned in the past vermont is a fairly rural little place 
But we do have one city, which is our most populated area and tends to have a fun, decent nightlife, which is Burlington. Burlington is home to the University of Vermont, as well as Champlain College and lots of local businesses. It's the hub for many of us who want to get out for the evening and enjoy time with friends and family. Burlington has lots of great local restaurants, college bars, stores, and beautiful views of Lake Champlain. And actually, one interesting thing to note about Burlington is that it is home to one of Vermont's go-to places, which is known as Church Street. And Church Street is your typical bar and restaurant strip. There are a few blocks with bars sprinkled throughout, but Church Street is the main street. It's foot traffic only. There are vehicle-driven roads throughout, but predominantly pedestrian-led. And actually, a little-known fact is that Church Street actually houses City Hall, where Ted Bundy went in the 70s to find more information about his mother. So October 7, 2006, happened to be a big deal in Burlington, as it was the beginning of UVM Parents Weekend, which is when parents can come to Vermont and spend time with their kids at college, kind of get a feel for where their kids are going to be spending the next four years. This is a pretty popular thing in Vermont. Uh, it, yeah, it definitely weekends. is. Because it, it's all of the colleges, if I remember right, do it. Be on the same weekend, but, yeah, but they all do it. They all do it, and um, different restaurants and different places yeah. host little like things for the parents' weekend as well. If you go into a certain restaurant, I'm not going to name one because I don't want to. Yeah. That's unfair. Go into a certain restaurant and it's like, oh, you're a UVM student, you're a freshman, you get 15% off your bill. Little random things like that. Which is pretty nice if you're, you know, when you, especially when you're from out of town and you're coming to the state to go to school, you know, you probably miss your parents and being able to have them come and see that amazingness that is local Vermont life. That, that could be a big appeal. I could see that. Michelle's parents came up for the weekend, just as many parents were. After getting to spend some time together that day, Michelle and her parents agreed that they would meet for lunch the following day. Unfortunately for her family, those plans would never come to fruition. That night, one of Michelle's friends turned 21, and like most 21-year-olds, Michelle and her friends were going to go out and enjoy the festivities, because it's a pretty big milestone birthday. This isn't unusual, as UVM is located in a college town. Burlington lends itself to be a great place to go out and have a night out, go dance with your friends. While normally being a very safe place to be late at night, at some point in the evening, Michelle decided to leave the group of friends she had initially gone out with in order to go meet a different group of friends that evening. And I mean, we've all done this, I'm sure. It's not something oh, we really yeah. think twice about. It just seems like not a big deal at the time. You think nothing could ever happen as you're just going two seconds up the street to meet, meet some other friends. And Yeah, it's, it's not... I mean, we've all done it. And especially when it's like a well-lit area, which Church Street is pretty well-lit. It's not like it's a seedy alley. It's it's a really big street, lots of light. It's a brick street, so it's pedestrian only. So you don't really think of it as an unsafe place to just walk a few blocks up to, to meet your friends. Michelle did what most of us would do that night. She walked up the street to meet her other group of friends alone. While she was walking along, Michelle was trying to connect with one of her friends via her cell phone, which unfortunately her cell phone died. So as she was walking, Michelle had seen a man on the street near her and decided to ask him if she could use his cell phone. And this man just so happened to have a cell phone she could use. And as bad luck would have it, he was also walking in the same direction as Michelle to his car. And in this short moment, Michelle trusted him and that unfortunate fate would cost her life. It's crazy. I, oh, this 
just kills me. I know. Just kills me. And so the last time Michelle was actually seen alive, it happened to be due to a jewelry store that sits on the way towards the Burlington parking garage. And luckily, that jewelry store captured surveillance footage of Michelle and the unknown man walking at 2.34 a.m. That was the night that Michelle would actually disappear. Pretty much, she disappeared immediately after that surveillance footage was captured. So Michelle was missing for six days before her body was found on October 13th near the Huntington Gorge, which is on Dugway Road in Richmond, Vermont. Her body was found by hikers in the area. Her body was found in a rock crevice, half-dressed and covered in leaves. So one thing to know is that this is nowhere near Burlington, where she had disappeared from. It's actually about 14 miles away from Burlington, so complete opposite direction. There's no easy way to get to Richmond from Burlington. It's interstate or it's back roads, and it's, it's, not, it's not like you could just walk there. This is, this is a haul. After an autopsy was performed, it was made evident that Michelle had actually been sexually assaulted. She was beaten, and she was also strangled to death. While investigating, police officers actually sectioned off a house that was near downtown Burlington, and the house was only two blocks away from where Michelle was last seen. That house had actually been undergoing some recent construction. Police announced at a local press conference that Michelle's body had actually been found that same day. Police also arrested a man by the name of Brian Rooney on separate charges that weren't related to Michelle's disappearance and death that same day. So they had this gentleman, Brian Rooney, on charges that were completely separate from Michelle's. So the question becomes, who is this Brian Rooney and why is he important to this case? Well, turns out the police were able to link this Brian Rooney to the nearby construction site, which happened to be near where Michelle had disappeared. As Rooney had been hired to be doing work on that specific site during that same time frame. Police were also able to identify a Jeep from the footage and release the images of this Jeep in hopes of receiving any information regarding this vehicle having it or having been seen after 2.30 a.m. This Jeep was a red Jeep with gray trim, one that also had a black painted section near the tailgate. So this Jeep stood out. It wasn't a just generic looking vehicle. This Jeep definitely had some noticeable details about it. So the friend that Michelle had been trying to connect with was interviewed, and they said that they had spoken with Michelle. And when they spoke with Michelle, she was using Rooney's phone and nothing had seemed really amiss to them, which, like I said, it was 2006. It was a, this is almost 20 years ago. It was a different time. Michelle had sounded fine and didn't seem to be concerned with anything. They didn't hear any panic, no fear. When Michelle hadn't arrived yet, the friend actually called Rooney's phone back, go this friend, and asked him where Michelle was. Rooney told the friend that he saw her walking up the hill toward the dorms, and that was all. Brian, it turns out, was a construction worker who actually had a fairly extensive rap sheet with several arrests. Shocker of shockings, guys. It was regarding sexual assault crimes. Rooney was also identified as the man that was seen walking with Michelle on that surveillance footage from the jewelry store. Rooney, who was from Richmond, which is the town that Michelle's body was found in, was eventually interviewed by police in regards to the disappearance of Michelle. Remember, he was, he was arrested for a different charge. Or a, different, or a different crime and a different victim. But he maintained always that she had walked towards those dorm rooms and he had never seen her again. Rooney was identified as having had several suspicious cuts on his hands when he happened to go into a business several days later in the nearby town of Winooski. 
Brian happened to be arrested that same day Michelle's body was found on unrelated charges of lewd conduct with a minor and a sexual assault charge. And it turns out Brian actually had a very long sheet of molestation charges and sexual assault charges against minors. He was known to drug his victims, and it's believed he either used ether, which was like ether-soaked cloths, and that was how he was actually knocking his victims out, and then he would rape them. His ex-wife even stated that Rooney used to drug her, and then he would rape her. He was quoted by his ex as saying, you will think I am funny when I kill you. If you keep this up, I will bash your head in. It's insane. I, I, the amount of fear, I, I can't even imagine. He also told his ex-wife that if she ever left and took their daughter, that it would be your last mistake. So this guy is, is trash. Absolutely has no respect for women. His ex-wife actually ended up leaving him after only six months of marriage because she was so terrified of this man. I don't blame her. No, not at all. Oh my God. This guy is a monster. Even, even without what he did to Michelle, what his previous crimes alone are, are awful. So after his initial arrest for sexual assault on a minor, charges were also finally filed against Rooney for the kidnapping and murder of Michelle Gardner Quinn. Rooney had actually had three cases of sexual assault and lewd conduct with a child put against him previous to Michelle's murder. And one was a charge from 1996. There was one from 1998 when the young girl was 12. And then when again, when she was 14. So two charges for the same girl. He apparently also made advances against the young girl's sister as well. And his other victim happened to be an 18-year-old woman. So this man was a known predator of women, especially young girls. He definitely, definitely tended to target younger women. Police were able to utilize DNA evidence from semen found inside Michelle's body in order to help their case against Rooney for his trial in regards to the rape and murder of Michelle Gardner Quinn. And after going to trial for the murder of Michelle Gardner Quinn, Brian Rooney was found guilty of aggravated murder on May 22nd, 2008. He was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Thank you for small miracles. And while he maintains his innocence, he did express condolences to Michelle's family. Creep. Again, folks, there's DNA evidence. So just keep that in mind. DNA evidence that links Rooney to Michelle, and he is giving condolences to her parents, but maintaining his innocence. So there's that. This was definitely the type of man who had a history of violence against women, and he was cons a consistent predator of women and young girls. Michelle just had the misfortune of asking the wrong person for help that night, and this monster saw his opportunity and struck. I feel like a lot of us young women in Vermont learned after that night and after this case, to never let each other walk alone at night. Just don't do it. No matter how safe it feels, just don't do it. We're all guilty of it. You should be able to do it. It's not, Michelle didn't do anything wrong. You should be able to ask somebody for help. You should be able to walk on a street and not get assaulted. You should be able to have that freedom. But unfortunately, the world is not that way. Maybe one day it will be. But until then, let's, let's just all take care of each other. Let's buddy up. Like we said, nerdlings, just trust your guts, grab a phone, do whatever you have. Just keep yourself safe for sure. Definitely. Yeah. You know, it's just, oh, this case is a rough one. This one, like I said, it's, it's a case that's always bothered me because it, there's just so much to it. And it, it's one of those things I think a lot of us, especially women, but men as well, especially young folks, you should be able to go do those things and, and have fun. And it's not like Michelle was a bad person. She was a great person. 
And to be able to just, she should have been able to just go walk down the street, go meet up with her friends that night and live her life and be 36 years old now. But unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. I know personally, to me, I know that Rooney maintains his innocence, but it's just, it's just too much of a coincidence that here's this guy, he's a known sex offender. He happened to own the same Jeep seen on the surveillance tape. You know, he was the last person to see Michelle alive. And there's DNA evidence, which says that he raped Michelle that night. He also happens to live in Richmond, which is the town where Michelle's body was found. And he was working at the construction site in Burlington. I'm sorry, I don't believe in that much just pure chance. Like, it's just, that's not realistic. To me, it's just, there's no way this man is innocent. Totally my opinion. Absolutely my opinion. But I just, I don't see how he could, he could have been innocent on this one. But I I think overall, the people I feel the most sorry for, I just feel sorry for her parents and her family. You know, she just seems like she was such a fun, wonderful person. And to have her life cut short so young is just wrong. And it's awful. Like I said, she'd be my age right now, which I can't even imagine. She never got to, you know, get married, have children, get her dream career. She was 21 years old, 22 years old when, when she was murdered. That to me is just the worst part of it. I think at this point, the only silver lining in any of this is that at least Brian Rooney is locked away for what should be the remainder of his life. And he deserves to rot in there as he's absolute trash, which I stand by. <laughs> Definitely. And I know we say this a lot, but this case was really close to home. I was a bartender downtown in that area for a long time. And I can't even tell you how many nights I'd go out drinking with some friends after a shift and walk home to my house up that same street Mich- Michelle did that night. Right. Like, after I've had a few drinks, I'm by myself. And I just I never thought twice about it. Ever. No, never. never. No. Because it's such a safe community in my eyes. I Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to walk by yourself anywhere in Vermont or anywhere in the, the world, I would pick Vermont. It, it's safe. We really were not heavily populated. We're not. It's just a, it's generally speaking, we're very I think we've mentioned it before, but it's very old timey here. Yeah. And it, it's just crazy because I mean, it's. We said earlier that it's believed that he used ether to mm-hmm. kind of subdue his victims. And there's not much known about this case. We actually had to no. dig pretty deep to find information on this. It's just unsettling because I don't understand how Michelle was taken off that street around the right. time that the bars close and that there's foot traffic everywhere. Like, I'm just wondering if he used an ether soaked cloth to subdue her so she couldn't scream or something. I don't know. It's just so crazy. It's strange because I'm sure the, the video surveillance probably has a limited shot of what it can capture. So I'm sure at some point they're out of frame. And at that point, that's the unknown of how did he get her in the car? Yeah. And it's just terrifying when you think about it like that. Like Michelle should have been able to do that and not get attacked by some monster. Absolutely. She should have been able, any woman that this happens to, uh, it's so frustrating. Uh, And frustrating isn't even tip of the iceberg, but I'm trying to keep it PG. It's so frustrating to see that this happens time and time again. Innocent victims who are just going about their lives and they're they're just being young. They're just walking down the street or going to bars or just doing things that are, teenage, you know, young adult things to do. 
And it is not anything that warrants them losing their lives over. It just isn't. It's so unfortunate that that this monster and other monsters like him are able to to take somebody's life away just for by by using that one moment of vulnerability against them. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's one of those like I said, this is a case that that really rocked the community. It's you know, we made the same choices when we were her age. Just time and time again we did. To me, Vermont's always felt so safe that walking up a few blocks, I used to do it when I was in college. I would go hang out with my friends, you know, after class and then go for a walk. And then I'd walk to the bus station, which makes this even more sketchy, take the bus back to Essex and then get a ride home from my brother on his way home from work after classes. And we're talking like nine, 10 o'clock at night. And I never thought anything of that. And I was by myself all the time at night, never thought twice, no cell phone. That was kind of the way it was back then. And it's just crazy that just asking someone to borrow their phone just to make a quick call to do the right thing and let a friend know where they were and that they were on their way could literally be the one thing that ended your life. It just shouldn't have happened that way. And I remember all of us doing that when we were younger and cell phones were relatively new. And it wasn't strange back then to to do that. I, I asked people to borrow their phone that I didn't know all the time. And it's just the one way that this monster used it as a way to take advantage of a young woman who was alone. Like I said, she was vulnerable. And it, and it definitely is just so, so sad. It, it's just, it'll always stick with me. And I'm just glad that Rooney's not on the streets and that he's still being punished for what he did because he deserves it. You know, Michelle was this shining light in the world and he diminished it that night. And so like we say, nerdlings, always be a buddy. Don't let your friends or family members walk alone at night, no matter how safe it may seem. Just don't do it. Or if you absolutely have to walk alone, act like you're talking on your phone or even better, work out a deal with one of your friends who maybe works a little later and call them so that they, you know, people will take care of each other. We all got to do it. And so that's that's our advice. We just, you know, this is kind of a, a tale of, of warning too. Like the world's not as safe as we all wish it was. So definitely be, be aware of it. I, I wish I had been more at that age too. Yeah, definitely. And the one thing after being in the bar scene that I can say is if you do find yourself in a like area like Church Street or Portland, Maine, wherever has a lot of bars, yeah, restaurants. Um, I can say that most bartenders will have a cell phone charger because I always brought mine to work, and I often would have customers come in and just buy a beer and be like, "Hey, my phone's dead. Can I? Do you have a charger I can use?" And I would definitely give them the charger, let them charge yep. their phone, or even. I mean, I've had friends go up to bartenders and ask to use their cell phone to get a taxi cab, things like That's that. That's a safer way to do it because they're in a business. You more than likely have had an evening relationship with them as they're being paid to be there. So generally speaking, that is probably a safer option. If you absolutely have to ask someone to borrow their their phone, go to a store clerk and do it or ask to use the store phone even better. Yeah, definitely. And there is an app. I'm not going to say what app it is because I don't exactly know the name of it, but a quick Mm -hmm. Google search would probably help you out. There is an app on... I think it's iPhone and Android, whichever one, where if you do find yourself walking alone, you can put your thumb on the screen and hold the circle down. And then when you do get to your destination, 
you can release your finger and cancel the app. But if you do find yourself walking along and find yourself in trouble Mm. or someone grabs you, the second you take your thumb off that button, uh, emergency services get called. That's amazing. Or yeah, or I think it's like emergency services get called or you get like a a text from the company asking if you're safe. Something on that ground. So, I mean, it's a peace of mind. It makes you feel better. So... Yeah, might be worth it. That's actually I I didn't know that they they had that, but honestly, it seems like not a bad idea at this point in time. Anything you can do to keep yourself safe. You know, you, still go be young. We don't want to tell you not to be young. Go be young, go have fun. Just, you know, be safe. Yeah, definitely. All right. So, like we said, take care of each other. You know, we don't want to see anyone else lose another family member to monsters like Brian Rooney who are hiding out in those shadows. So, just be aware, guys. And so with that, we conclude our case about Michelle Gardner-Quinn. That's all for this episode, you crime-loving nerdlings. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share, subscribe, and leave a review over on iTunes or your normal podcast provider. You can also check out our Instagram at crimetimenerds or visit our website at crimetimenerds.com, where we share our resources for our episodes each week. Feel free to share some local crimes in your area if you want to hear us talk about those crimes as well via our email at crimetimenerds at gmail.com. See you next time, nerdlings.